Welcome to the Maggie Williams Podcast, where we discuss hunting, travel, and outdoor adventures. Proudly sponsored by Rolling Thunder Game Calls, the sound of a new generation. Brought to you by Heavy Shot, industry leader in shot shell ammunition innovation. I don't come this far to miss. And Lost Hat Company. Ask your other hat company what choke you should shoot. Get lost. Now here's your host, Maggie Williams. What's going on, y'all? And welcome to another episode of the Maggie Williams Podcast. We are live from Duck Camp today, and I'm here with a good friend of mine. This is Duck Dog Vet, none other than Mr. Matt Ryan. How are you? I am, I'm going to say good, but tired. Good, (laughs) tired. We got our teeth kicked in this morning, so we're as good as we can be, right? (laughs) Today was not what we were expecting one bit at all, but when you're looking at... Let's say one, we caught two slow hunts over, was it six days? It's pretty good for this year, so. That's true. It's yeah. It's been good, so we, I can't be, I can't be uh, too greedy. Did you hear the story of what happened to us this morning? I didn't get the whole true story. Right. But. Well, we got where we needed to be. Um, our whole racer's kind of young and so i don't know if there was like a miscommunication i don't mm-hmm. i was not there whenever they got the hole i try mm-hmm. not to be <laughs> if i can get there at 5 30 at all costs that's what i'm gonna do but you've learned that hunting with mm-hmm. me I, i'll bring my own boat and i'll be late but i don't know who got there first but they all agreed hey let's hunt together whatever because we both want to hunt it no matter what mm-hmm. great we hunted with the group that hunted it yesterday we got invited in there and they heard all the shots, showed up. No big deal. It's public land hunting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there were some more guys that set up on the mouth of this hole. There was like four of them. And I mean, their decoys were like 60 yards away from us. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, oh, boy. And we were set up on a pretty fair raft of ducks in the woods. And right in their flight line, right where they wanted to be. And two guys walk in right before daylight with a spotlight and just jump them all up out of the woods essentially so it was probably seven thirty, and we're like all right let's pack it up and find plan b yeah i think that's when we kind of joined up with y'all because we were supposed to come there this morning but kind of got word that it was turning into a little bit of a goat rope and so we went off a little bit further up river <coughs> and it, a goat rope it was for <laughs> sure so you didn't miss out on anything but that's okay. I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty sure our group was uh, only two shots fired up there all morning long. Really? Congratulations. <laughs> I think the guys that jumped all those ducks out, I think they fired their gun three times and probably mm-hmm. scared out every bit of 500 ducks. <laughs> and I think we might have fired our guns. I didn't fire mine at all. Someone fired their weapon twice in our hole. So mm-hmm. what a morning. There we go. But... You are a vet. You're not just a duck dog vet. You're also mm-hmm. a vet vet. I'm a vet vet. You're a vet yep. vet. So I guess my, I'm going to say long story short, was born in Mobile, Alabama while my dad was still in the Coast Guard. But at the time, my mom was also in the, Ar- the Army National Guard for Arkansas. Cool. Her career was taking off a little bit faster in the military than my dad. So my dad got out. We moved to Arkansas. And I have lived in Batesville, Arkansas, moved to El Dorado, over to Stuttgart. And then back up to Batesville, um, which is where I graduated high school from. Took off to Arkansas State there in Jonesboro from 08. Go Red Wolves! <laughs> I did not know you went to ASU! Yep. And so from 08 to 2012 there, and then Mississippi State for vet school from 2012 to 2016. But while I was at Arkansas State, I was in the ROTC program there. Really? Um, also went through with Sigma Chi, and so I was real busy and just kind of just... I mean, I've never done good sitting still. Drives my wife absolutely nuts. But um, <laughs> and so with ROTC, I took a commission as an officer within the for the Veterinary Corps um, to to 
go off and play with army military working dogs and everything after vet school i did um, not know that oh yeah well it's, it's i call it a really good career broadening opportunity because there's so much that the army encompasses um with their veterinary corps program that it's just a lot of stuff you wouldn't really expect um so got out of vet school in 2016 went off to that from 2016 to 2020 and out of the blue kind of a just a dream job for my, where my interest lock called me and said hey we've got this opening would you like to come up to oxford here with us here at animal clinic of oxford and wife and i talked about it prayed about it a lot and decided to kind of go up there and take advantage of it so that's awesome very cool absolutely love it up there so i met you i guess it was last summer at the rolling thunder golf tournament but i have heard about you and up until that point i had heard like the duck dog vet in oxford matt ryan i knew your name for years Mm -hmm. and so it was cool to finally put all the pieces together and now hunt together and I've got a ton of respect for you as a veterinarian, also as a vet. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you, ma'am. But um, I think it's just really cool to have that perspective on sporting dogs from just a full circle from military to duck dogs. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, growing up in Arkansas, is that where your emphasis on duck hunting came from? Have you always been a duck hunter? So, once again, going back to family history. So, depending on the year and how much land they kind of leased and shifted around through the year. My grand, my grandpa, he actually farmed there in Umphrey, right outside of Stuttgart, from yeah. anywhere from 15 to 20,000 acres. Cool. Um, and actually, if you're going up from Umphrey up to Humnoak, if you look over towards on the left side of that highway, you'll see that big, nice duck club back there on the old beaver po- beaver, beaver ponds, and the, there's some catfish ponds right there. That was all their property from there down to, down to Umphrey. And so I guess the duck dog thing came in because my dad, he, what he would do for shell money, instead of working because they were working the farm, so a lot of that money went back to the family. He'd go down the pound, the pound and find whatever heavily mixed lab he could or full full lab he'd train it for and sell it for a couple hundred dollars just really? that's what he'd buy shotgun shells for the next duck season with and that so it's just cool. kind of grew with him doing that growing up and being on the farm and kind of where the all the kind of family history was circled around um just kind of fell into it and continued on and do your dogs compete is it akc or hrc we do both okay um, is, you have the akc right um inside well under both of them you have a, the hunt test kind of side of it. Yeah, it's field trials and hunt test, but isn't it always one or the other for both of them? Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. cool. So AKC has both the field trial and the hunt test kind of games underneath theirs. Okay. And then on the, so this gets confusing because people use this interchangeably. HRC and AKC are actually the same hunt test organization. I did not know that. Yep. Cool. So they're, well, I'll say they're the same organization. There are two organizations that facilitate the same like hunt tests. Okay. And so the HRC, you get UKC points for all like all the kind of titles and everything. Very cool. Um, and so we've just we've we've done all that. The, the dog we've been hunting with all weekend. That's um, that's uh, sorry. I don't know why I'm te- trying to tear up a little bit just thinking about it. But um, it's Dolly Grace. She's I think she's four and a half years old. We've got a HRC HR, her hunter retriever champion title. She got her master hunter last year. Um, we're trying to get to qualify to go to Master Nationals this this next year coming up this fall this fall. So very cool. Um, I just lo- really like taking bring just the way she works and she's so attentive and she just if she's if you're bored and you, especially if your hands are cold she'll be the best hot hand she can find around because she just loves getting loved on and petted on and just love it watching her because of how she interacts there in the woods. So Dahlia is a cool <laughs> dog. It's been fun to hunt over her. She is so sweet. And she's got yep. she's just a powerhouse. Really, she's one of those cool dogs with an off switch you can let mm-hmm. her in the house let her on the couch or i let her on the couch i don't know if you do but i let her on my couch oh she definitely gets up there um but she's a really really cool dog is she your first one that you've ran um field trials and hunt tests with or is have you had other dogs in the past so i've had others um <clears throat> i guess the my very first one was a dog named zoe she she had good potential i'll say it that way but unfortunately on i can't remember what year it was fourth of july though she hit a, a possum hole and broke her elbow and she just couldn't recover from it and so my mom and dad actually ended up with her as a house pet and then i got a dog named lily which was really my big entryway into all the hunt test game very cool 
but being in a as you can imagine transition from undergrad to vet school there's some financial needs that had to be met i had a, a an offer for her that i just couldn't pass up right um, at that point in time so i sold her to a guy up in right outside of memphis tennessee mm-hmm. he, he said hey look i just retired i'm about to hunt from start with ducks and geese in canada and then hunt all the way down to Arkansas, finish off duck season here, and then chase the spring conservation season all the way, all the way back up. And she'd passed away about a year, year and a half ago. And when he called me, he said he'd pick, she'd picked up right at 20,000 birds. Wow. Absolutely just unrealistic kind of numbers for a dog. Good for her. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't have gone to a, a better home. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And so you've trained all these dogs yourself? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's incredible. So, well, I can't say completely myself. I've got a really good network of friends down there around Oxford. Um, Tyler Hall, Kobe Cook, Scott Shankle, um, a couple other guys I've trained intermittently with. Um, if we're, and we kind of all just kind of help each other. If we're too busy and we're not going to be able to work work one of our dogs that we're going to have tests coming up, um, you know, we'll pick up, We'll I'll take mine down to Tyler's or I'll help Tyler out with his or just vice versa. It's kind of what needs to be happening. So have some people that will help if we're too busy to keep them running. There's a couple of times where I've had to carry a dog over to um, Tyler Patterson, leave it for a month or two, just because all of us were too busy. Right. But as far as basics and transition work and getting into that advanced level stuff, I, we pretty much do all of it ourselves. So it's That's, a lot of fun. I've got a lot of respect for people <laughs> that train their own dogs. Do you know Bo Brewer? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Bo's who trained Kate. Mm-hmm. I was in college and I just have no experience. And I, mm-hmm. when I first got her as a puppy, I was like, I'm going to train her myself. And then she got to be about six months. And I was like, whoa, this is actually <laughs> way more than I'm... She had really good potential, especially for a female golden retriever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, well, if she can be something, I want her to be something. And mm-hmm. I cannot give her what she needs. But now that I've had Kate, I think next time I do get another dog, I want to be more involved in the training process. Mm-hmm. But that is awesome. And your dogs are so well behaved, too. <laughs> dog, dog is sharp. so. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, a lot of respect for you for that. Well, and I just, when you're looking at, and I think that plays into a lot of, I'm not going to just say myself, because even though people call me the Duck Dog Vet, this and that, I'm not the original Duck Dog Vet. I give that kind of title to my boss, Lee Payne, um, as being the kind of OG. And there's several others out there across the country kind of spread out. But in our area here in Mississippi, he had a dog named Maggie that absolutely just killed it. Um, HRCH, I think he put a Master Hunter, I can't remember, um, put a grand title on her. And, and it's like, she had a ton of good litters there's and this this the quality of dog that that that, that dog produced mixed with whoever she's bred to was just absolutely fire and lights out that's awesome but once again just like myself if you're playing the game you know how to work it's not that the medicine is any different because just because they're a working dog it's not going to change your decisions when, from a scientific and medical standpoint you just you just kind of use your thought processes a little differently because you know Hey, this guy has a has a hunt test coming up this weekend, and if he doesn't pass it, he can't qualify for the Grand or Master Nationals. And so, if I use this ear medication and pack these dogs' ears, he's not going to be able to hear this weekend. So we oh, got to wow. go through a different medication and this kind of like just you just got to tweak your um, thought process a little bit. And if you're not involved, whether if it's from training your own dog and really getting into these hunt test games or however you're you're involved with it, sometimes you just don't make those little tweaks and turns with it. That's an interesting perspective because I never realized how important the little things would come into play mm-hmm. into something like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, I, never, I felt so bad. I felt so bad for it because I didn't realize he had a test coming up that weekend. Deposed dog in for, and I'm not going to tell names or anything because he's, he's kind of embarrassed by the end of it. Um, <laughs> but he, I mean, this dog was lights out. Hadn't failed a test in like 18, like 18 or 19 weekend comp- competitions he'd, he'd entered in the last several years. Wow. We didn't realize he had a hunt test coming up. We just didn't, that didn't ever came up in conversation. Sure enough, I packed that dog's ears and he couldn't hear a whistle from 40 yards away. I mean, oh my he gosh. wanted nothing to do with other than just playing when he went out there that weekend. Bless his heart. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, but, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's been the polar vortex while you've been here in Arkansas. It's been cold. That it has. And it's, it's been very tough. Very tough. Um, and it's, you know, we've had conversations of, you know, is it safe to hunt dogs? Is it not safe? Um, I really think when you're looking at that conversation, there's a lot of 
factors that really play into it to say at this temp you don't need to hunt your dog um, or at this wind speed you don't need to hunt your dog because a lot of it everything from the wind speeds to the water temperatures and air temperatures to the length of the boat rides you're having to did you forget your your um, morning snacks that morning could all play into the decision of is it safe to hunt your dog um, because it's and there's two days where I mean you heard the story of, of kind of and I'm sure we'll get into it in a little bit when we talk about some etiquette type stuff um, that we could have at we had a really 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 good hunt still um, but could have had a better hunt if we had her but not because of only the air temps but just it was a 45 minute boat ride in a negative 10 degree air, air kind of feel like um, outside not, it wasn't the morning I was worried about. It was the, the ride going back when she was wet. Um, right. and you, you got 45 minutes of, hey, it feels like 10 degrees or negative 10. What is that going to do to her on the way in? Um, right. Plus, but the big thing is overall um, to kind of get us kicked off, I guess, on that this topic and really start digging into it a little bit is it's not really the air temperatures this weekend that worried me a lot because these dogs are built to take a lot. Right. If we know how to watch and, and kind of kind of catch, catch on some of these little changes that are shown, we're getting into a little little troublesome spot. It's the ice that worried me this weekend with with her really. Because um, there's times uh, where it seemed like you know the Titanic of ice of kind of ice capsules floating down this river. It was scary, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, with how a lot of the woods are frozen up, we're having to hunt the main channels, and so with how everything's frozen. That first day I noticed that, you know, here's the edge of the main channel, but over the edge of that, there's five to six foot of two inches of ice. Right. So if she got out there and jumped off, got a duck, she's doing fine, was having trouble getting back up on the ice, I couldn't put myself in a position of a safe to be able to, to help her. Right. Because if because you're past that the edge of that riverbank where it drops off under that water, and if that ice broke, I mean, you know, there's no coming back from that. What worried me the most, and I didn't bring Kate. Kate's not been hunting in a week. Since it mm-hmm. froze over, I've left her at home. Mm-hmm. It's because I cannot enjoy myself hunting when I'm worried about Kate. Mm-hmm. And it, I just I didn't feel comfortable. I'm not a very experienced dog handler. And there's a lot of things I don't know. So I was like, she's just sleeping in. Mm-hmm. The ice caps, I don't know if ice caps is the right word. The big blocks of ice that were mm-hmm. rolling down the river that were pushing away all of our decoys. Mm-hmm. I was like, Kate's not a very big dog. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine the effect that would have on her when she's tired. I don't want yeah. her fighting those because they were pulling all of our decoys down the river. So that made me nervous. Well, and that's where when this current with ice that makes me really nervous is, one, like I already said, if the, if they're on the edge of that river, can you put yourself in a position that's safe for yourself as, an, as a handler to help them up onto that ice if they can't get out? Right. Um, but then also when they start getting tired, if they're trying to go through a little little block of ice or around or over it to get to a bird on their side, you know, they can really really fight to get across it and also potentially get pulled underneath it with current. And if they get turned around underneath it with some of how some of those, because it's not just the ice on top, it's all the ice that's caught underneath also with how these are starting to really dam up the rivers around here that can put a dog in a really, really bad situation. Right. So... And you mentioned earlier morning snacks. I've never heard of this. I've always been told to feed my dog the night before. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the morning snacks. This is new to me. So it's more of a, um, I use it as more of a, I'm going to say preventative if they've really been working hard that morning. But it, more of an emergent situation if we need it. Because yes, you do want to make sure you feed um, the the I'm, I'm in the boat of i don't feed before a hunt but i feed the, the night before then i feed a little bit right after it when we get back to camp okay um but the big thing if you watch how the body is shutting down with the hypothermia kind of issues what really puts you in where they start going into shock and start having seizures is hypoglycemia okay when that sugar gets really low um and so you just do what you can not only keep them warm but to but to keep that sugar up and so if they start getting sluggish and giving giving a little bit of bad work and re- just refusals and just not wanting to do it give them a little sugar don't work them anymore um, but just to help boost that their, their their sugar to keep it up a little higher um can give you sometimes enough time to get them out of the woods before it gets real serious so so one of the boys mentioned that they would used to carry honey is that mm-hmm. legit? Is that something you? What do you recommend to have? Like, what is? What's your go-to snack for Dahlia when it's freezing cold? Um, I'm not say there's a go-to snack. It just kind of depends on what I picked up at the gas station that morning. Oh, so anything? <laughs> so okay, I see. Yep. Um, I think when was it? Thursday morning when we hunted. 
the river channel um i think i ended up bringing a little ziploc bag of her actual dog food just to have it with her if she'd been working quite a bit i think this year she's had i know two or three oatmeal cream pies um, a honey bun or two maybe a maybe a nutty bar or a nutty butter but um but i only really do that because I don't want that some of this to carry over to behavioral problems like begging for food at the house. Right. I, me personally, I only give it to them if I see that or, or really encourage a guy to give them something. Um, if a dog's starting to have some signs of uh, you're not doing as good as you were four or five ducks ago. Right. Let's let's get your let's let's see if we just give you a little boost of something to to to, to kind of fix, help you out and fix it. But anything like honey, anything I don't want. To, I mean, honey's actually a really good option, but it's just anything that's you get snack on, you get food in them um, for carbs and, and sugars to kind of help help boost that a little bit. That is so interesting because I've always been told no human food, no human food, no human food. So Kate does not eat human food, but mm -hmm. I say that at her at her grandparents' house, she does get human <laughs> food. My dad says she's had a couple of ice cream cones, but whatever. Um, yep. Which is not. Which is not ideal for my dog, but anyway, it's good to know that if she's in a bind, if she's not doing well, um, I can just give her whatever I've got in my bag, essentially. Oh, yeah. Very yep. cool. Yep. But of course, in, in conjunction with that, in the gum box of the boat, I always have an, like this just old Columbia waterproof, windproof just jacket that if it's really windy, I'll put her, and she's starting to get cold, I'll put her over it. Sometimes I'll zip it, sometimes I won't. If we're on dry ground, what I've actually done in the past is put her dog stand a foot or two off the off, off the ground, and then my little buddy heaters put it underneath the the the, the stand to let that heat rise up onto her and into her. Um, anything to really get them get them close to get their core temperature up, so around a heater, um, a jacket to help contain that um, body temp and that body heat as best as possible, but also keep the wind off of them. Because once they're wet, even though their coats are really, really, are built really, really, really well. I mean, you feel it when you in the middle of summer when you get out of some folds. It feels a little bit cooler if you're in the wind than before you get it before you get into it. Right. Um, and the same with them. If they, if they jump in this cold water, like their coats are built for that kind of stuff. 100%. I'm not taking that away, but just looking at it from the safety standpoint of it, they're wet. It's just still going to chill their body and their skin a little bit more when you have a cold a cold wind like we did a couple of days ago blowing. I think it was like 20 to 30 with gusts of 45 out of the north. Yeah, it like, was crazy. It, was, it, it hurt when you looked into it for too long, kind of cold. Um, and that's, like I said, it's just more preventative and precautionary approaches than reaction if when you do get into a tough situation. Right. Because um, we actually, um, our clin I was the one that saw it. On an emergency, one of our other doctors, that first day of this cold front, um, after it um, put all the snow down, I mean, we had a dog coming on emergency for hypothermic type issues. Wow. Um, luckily, the owners had done what they needed to and got, the, got their, the, the dog's core temperature up before they got to us. But he, he still was, was showing signs of all of it and, and came in. Wow. So it can happen pretty quick. That's my biggest fear. And because of that, I have... I don't want to say I've held Kate back, but I definitely have. Like, as her mom... Like, I know that I'm her handler, but I call myself her mom. Like, she's my baby. I will put my hydro lock on her. If, mm -hmm. I, if Kate's cold, I'll be cold. Like, she can have whatever's on my back. Oh, yeah. But we went to Kansas, and it was like, I think the coldest day was 21. Mm -hmm. And that's the coldest day she's ever hunted, just because if it's that cold, and if it's, if it's icy, mm -hmm. Kate stays home. Because she's my whole world, and I don't get worried about her. But I also have to, like, remind myself, she's a dog, mm -hmm. and she's built for this. Yep. But, so, I really do don't want to discredit the fact that she is a sporting dog, but um, took her to Kansas. It was 21. We had the buddy heater beneath her little Momar stand. She's got the Invisalab. <laughs> I call hers the Invisigold. <laughs> but she will get up in her little stand. And um, I had a wool blanket. So I saw on the internet wool blankets. Mm -hmm. And so, I got one of those off of Amazon. And between her vest, that was the first time she's ever hunted in a vest because I had like an older... I don't even know what brand it was, neoprene vest I put mm -hmm. on her. And her first two years hunting, I tried to make her wear it every season, tried to make her work in it. She hated it. Mm -hmm. Well, the first retrieve in Kansas, she did no vest. And she came back shivering because it was just ice water. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, girl, let me go get your vest. So I went, I walked all the way to the truck. It was a heck of a walk. Mm -hmm. I got her vest, got it, brought it back, and I put it on her. And she's been loving it ever since. <laughs> she's been a big vest dog because she realized it keep her so much warmer. Mm -hmm. So on that vest note, 
I know some people are pro-vest. There's a lot of people that are anti-vest. What's mm-hmm. your opinion on it? And what's your favorite? <clears throat> so we'll start with kind of what my favorite is. And there's not one specifically that stands out to me. Um, I have one. I got it. Man, I was an undergrad still. So it would have been 2010, 2011 maybe. Wow. Um, one of the old Avery Boaters parkas, like a five millimeter neoprene. Mm-hmm. I like it so much because it has some flotation down the side. Plus it's mossy oak, it's, you know. Right. Um, little parcel to it. But, um, and it, I just like that extra flotation to it. Mm-hmm. I think really um, a, just a basic three to five millimeter neoprene vest is really all a dog needs as long as it's cut properly mm-hmm. and fit properly. Um, if it's the big part times you'll see is the chest that people will cut it too thin mm-hmm. and only have like a really thin strip of neoprene down the center of it. It helps prevent from like rubbing hot spots and sores underneath their armpits. But it's also not really holding much body heat in on the chest and it's also that's a allowing a lot more surface area for cold water to get underneath that vest right the uh, when you're looking at a vest uh, the way i like to kind of explain to people to properly fit them is you want it tight and snug but not so tight that when they're not normally breathing but when they're panting and taking those bigger breaths and breathing a lot more at a more rapid pace um but you're not impeding their breathing and making it difficult for them so it's a good point but you see people that have these these vests that are so loose that the dog shakes and the vest doesn't even move with the dog shaking off that water off the side of it right way too way too way too loose um because what that just like a a wetsuit for people that vest is not built to keep really keep water out from underneath it it's built to hold that that water in or not or the the body heat in so it warms that that water up to get under there really quick Mm -hmm. um <laughs> talking about cold cold days and accidents kind of a couple of days ago when i took that fall on that ice and filled my waders up uh-huh. i mean after i mean it was cold for two or three minutes but once that body heat started warming that water up i was completely fine and it's the same thought process with these with these vests to help keep them warm i never realized how much warmer a dog was with a vest until kate actually started letting me put her in one and she's mm-hmm. got the momarsh vest which i like but that's the only one she's ever really let me put her in because it's mm-hmm. It's got the adjustable panels and stuff, yep. but whenever I get cold now, I'll just take my hands inside her vest because it's the warmest thing on her, always. Mm-hmm. That's why I call Dahlia the, the perfect like hand heater or hot hands because it's just so warm to go in there. And, of course, she's a, a big lover anyway, so the second anybody's touching her, she's just not done with hunting. She's just leaned up on you, looking at you in your eyes. <laughs> That's one thing. I Whenever we're duck hunting, Kate's finally understood, like, as a younger dog and her like at one two years old Mm -hmm. if i would pet her at all during a duck hunt she would not hunt like (laughs) we weren't hunting and so i had to like not touch her and now that she's really matured into a gun dog and she knows what's going on she knows we're Mm -hmm. here to hunt i like lean over and i'll be kissing on her and she's we can now enjoy it and love on her still Mm -hmm. because the first few years it was it was tough but uh that's it's funny how they've got their own unique personalities and They've got us figured out. We think we've got them figured out. They've got us figured out. They're better at training the trainer than we realize they are. Well, that's what Molly Brown, she's who works for Bay Brewer mm-hmm. at Ridgemark. I love Molly. Molly's done a lot with Kate, if not most of everything with Kate. And I love that because obviously I'm a girl. And so Kate listens to girls just about mm-hmm. only. She doesn't really listen to respond to men, um, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> but... um Bolly's awesome and she just told me because we're going to run Kate in some field trials this spring and Kate's mm-hmm. she's got a few um, started passes mm-hmm. and she was like do you do you want to handle Kate and I was like do you think she'll be better if I don't handle Kate and she's like absolutely Kate's got your number and I was like you're, you're right Kate Kate has trained me mm-hmm. I feel sorry for her I don't I don't push her very hard all the boys in the group they can be stern with her mm-hmm. and she'll know like I don't get on. I'm either really hard on Kate or I'm not hard enough. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, you got a runner. It's fun. You think so? It's it's a, it's a different kind of adrenaline rush and competitiveness because you're up there competing, but you're also not the one competing, even though you've put in just as much work as the dog has. If that makes sense, right? So it's a really, I'm gonna say, fun kind of interaction. That it, it, it's nerve wracking, but it it's a lot of fun. If Molly can train me as good as she can train my dogs, and I'll do it. <laughs> but that's going to be the challenge. It's me. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned this year is 
it's it's really never the dog's fault in my circumstance. Mm-hmm. It's the handler. I didn't mm-hmm. tell her good enough. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's been it's fun. It's fun. I say ninety percent of the time they know where they're going. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the circle back around off of the rabbit hole I took us down was when and when not do I reach for a vest? Yeah. A lot of it. I don't, know, I don't really know how to approach this one because it's once again just like with the temps on when it's too cold to hunt and kind of knowing your knowing your dog and knowing what they can handle. Um, a lot of it depends on where we're going to be at. Like some of these holes that have that I know have a lot of um, like cypress knees or sharp sticks underneath them. I'm probably going to hunt her just in case she hits uh, in, in a vest, just in case she's going to hit one of those. Right. But if it's warm enough um, and I feel that she can handle the, the temps and it's not going to be a real bad, um, like dangerous hole to hunt, or if it's a, a hole that has a lot of brush in it that she can get hung up on picking up ducks and get caught on, um, I'll, I'll take the vest with me. Um, but if I would, or, so I'll, I'll, then I'll either, sorry about the mumbling, um, I'll either take it off of her. Um, or just not take it at all. Okay. Um, and so a lot of, especially hunting public land from, you know, the north, north, the Missouri, Arkansas line, all the way down to, you know, below Clarendon and East Lake, and all up and down the Cache and the White, and all the WMAs in between. You really don't know where you're gonna end up at because it's public land. Right. And so I just, I'd rather, I just throw it in the gun box, and if I need it, I need it. If I don't, I don't. Um, but there's been several times, even this year. That she went and picked up a bird out of a brush pile, and I had to go help her get unhung because that she got a stick in, in, un, up underneath her um, her vest. Right. And so, if typically in current, I won't hunt her in current if it's warm enough. Um, but if it's cold, like it has been since we've been up here this last week, if a lot a lot of times it just depends on where that bird lands at if I'm going to send her or not. If it's floating down that river, and she has a vest on, I'm going to send it send her. But if it lands in that buck brush on the other side and she's had to get up, go over there, I'm just and bury up in it to get that bird. I'm not going to send her in that circumstance because of the vest and the current. Right. Okay. Yep. So it's all very circumstantial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is which is good to know seriously because it's not a general rule. Mm-hmm. And that's what you'll see on Facebook in the forums, like, when can I bring my dog, all the kind of stuff. Well, there's really no, like, one-size-fits-all answer. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's for the, the vest and locations and hunting, it's really bird-to-bird, location-location, day-to-day on, um, and really dog-to-dog. Because I know I've, I used to own a, a big old beautiful male named Ace. Um, sold, sent him, sold him to a guy in um, Memphis named Jeff Whitehorn. And that dog, I, he could have taken negative thirty with fifty mile an hour winds. He was a just beast of a dog. Mm-hmm. But he was he was he just was a really strong, tough, hard headed male that just loved it. Um, and Dahlia, she's not, I mean, she's built for bigger for a female, but she's still kind of slender. And she is slim. When you look at, you know, these really heavy built, muscular, maybe sometimes a little fatter um, kind of labs, they can handle a little bit more than these slim females can. Right. And so it's just, it, there's so much variability in it. But Dolly's built like an athlete, to be fair. She's very athletic. She's trim. She's, mm-hmm. she's conditioned. <laughs> you can tell her dad is a duck dog, but. Yeah. Well, and I think that also plays into talking about the conditioning and going into previous topics. Um, plays into some of this this being able to handle what we what we hunt in. Even when it goes back to hypothermia, because if they're out of shape or overweight, they're gonna be working harder to go pick up that bird than a dog that's is in shape. And the harder these dogs work, the more um, energy within their bloodstream and their their bodies are burning, which means they're not gonna be able to last as long. Right. And so whether if they're a big, broad-chested, just muscular built male or a slender female if you keep them in shape just like us and college athletes and professional athletes they're gonna perform better right of course well on that note i know kind of venturing off a little bit Mm -hmm. what's one of the most common health mistakes that you see made by sporting dog owners overweight dogs 100 percent. i figured without a question um second would be and i break this rule constantly just because it's three in the morning and you don't want to pick a dog up or it's after hunt and the dog's wet you don't want to pick it up um but letting them jump on and off um elevated objects a little bit too often really i've Um, never heard that that's but that makes sense mm -hmm. well and we the reason i say that and we'll circle back around to the overweight stuff um is 
the one thing that's going to shut down and shorten a working dog's working lifespan, not their total lifespan, but just the, their working span, they, they, they're healthy enough to go out and be in the, with the woods with or run a hunt test or filter out with us, is their joints, really. Right. Um, there's a lot of other, there's some other health, health issues that can come up. You always have the random uh, medical stuff or cancer or any of these other things that can come up. But we wear and tear and beat on their joints so much. Every time that we have an opportunity to protect that joint, it's going to just allow that dog to take one more step or one more retrieve. And that's what we're looking for in the long run instead of one more jump out, out or onto the tailgate. Um, wow. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just when they jump off a tailgate, they're catching all of their body weight on their on their front limbs. Um, mainly their elbows are catching a lot of that force and their wrists. Mm -hmm. And so it's just anytime you can help protect them and provide fight inflammation, especially in these older labs, it's going to help prevent arthritis and help them be more comfortable and just keep them in the field longer. Okay. Very but, cool. But, once like I said, we circle around to it. Um, keeping those dogs just in shape. Purina has a great chart, the, the BCS chart of body condition score. Um, I just, I, I, luckily, I, I still have a stack of like 500 of them from when I was in school that I hand out constantly to people. If people don't want them, I still make them download it on their phone if they leave. Really? Um, but it's just Google and Purina BCS, and it'll bring up charts. Just be able to say, okay, my dog is in shape, out of shape. Um, be able to make sure we can easily palpate those last two or three ribs and not allowing them to be overweight. Um because not only is being overweight, once again, really putting a lot of excess strain and pressure and um, causing issues with our with their joints every time they run or cut or jump or just, just doing normal, th going on a walk with the family. Um, it, I mean, it just shortens our lifespan because, working span, I won't say lifespan, but working span because we're wearing on their joints harder. But also realistically, just like we're seeing people, it does shorten their lifespan. For sure. Um, Purina's done a great study showing how overweight dogs and properly BCS dogs, um, their different lifespans, um, the differences in it. But also um, how um, helping obese can increase the risk for multiple other um, disease processes, especially our endocrine type processes like diabetes and all this other kind of stuff. That was one thing going into getting Kate as my own personal sporting dog. We had a duck dog growing up. Her name mm -hmm. was Sissy. Sissy's still alive. Sissy's 11 now. Mm -hmm. But she's an 11-year-old female British lab. And at 8 years old, she tore ACL because she was mm -hmm. overweight. She still hunted some. You know, it was very laid-back hunting. But mm -hmm. she was a little chunky and... At the end of the day, tore her ACL <laughs> chasing a squirrel in the yard. Like, mm -hmm. she wasn't doing anything... She wasn't jumping. She wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. Just mm -hmm. tore ACL, ended her hunting career, and now she's even more overweight because she doesn't get around here as well. Mm -hmm. Well, then you see Jade, who is, Jade's a little overweight, but she's not near <laughs> to the extent as Sissy was. And we've got Jade in here in the other room on pro plan weight loss right now, mm -hmm. so she will be slimmed up. But um, it's, it's crazy to see the difference in their behavior mm -hmm. and her agility and her ability to get around. They're the exact same age, the exact same breed of dog. And Jade's been, you know, worked more, and she's just overall a healthier dog, and she seems like she's, you know, half a sissy's age, and so mm -hmm. that's been a huge priority with me, just having Kate is, okay, you're not going to be a heavy girl, because I want to have her as long as I can have her. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes, especially like in the South, it comes from a place <laughs> of love, and people would be like, oh, I want to give my dog, you know, dumplings, and it's yep. like, it's, it's, it's very sweet. <laughs> But it doesn't do your dog any favors. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm not saying you can't give them that kind of stuff. You definitely can, but you just can't do it to a point where you love them so much it's going to kill them. Right. So, um, I mean, in my, I've got a my kind of my first true dog. Like I've, I had Lily, um, had Zoe. Like they were good dogs, but the one I saw, okay, this is my first dog. Um, it's a dog named Daisy May. Oh. She's my vet school dog. Um, me and a buddy, uh, Ryan Gibson, we went over to Alabama, picked her up at five and a half weeks old. Oh, yep. wow. Early. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I got over there just kind of checking litter out. The owner's like, look, you're a vet student. You, they're already weaned off the owners or he weaned off the mom. You just want to take it with you? And I was like, well, I'm a vet student. I'm way too busy to get over here. So sure. I'll wow. do it. Great. Um, but I, just like you're doing, I was very committed to keeping her active and keeping her in a good weight, a weight class and really taking care of her joints. And when I was, you know, kind of thinking about her, didn't have full hands or was 
um, you know, a spot where I could help, help her in and out of the truck or in and out of the bed of the truck or in and out of whatever she was getting out of. And she's 11 years old. And it wasn't until this ice hit, you're like, oh, you are getting old. I mean, she was jumping and running and cutting and playing and rolling. And just like she held, she, she has with her in duck woods or with other dogs. Or, and you're just now really starting to see some signs that she's getting old. And she's 11. Right. And never did many joint supplements with her. I'd intermittently have in the last two or three years. But um, not like I am with, with, with these other dogs I've got. Um, just because you kept them under a good weight. Right. Just saving joints. So... Stepping away from the joint topic, I do mm-hmm. want to, before we talk about hunting, I have one more dog topic to bring up. What you got? And I want to preface this by saying I've never received a dime from Gunner Kennels. Mm-hmm. I paid for my Gunner for Kate whenever she was like nine weeks old, and it was a used one off Facebook Marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I was broke college kid and spent like my last dime on after I bought a dog and a Gunner, I was broke. But <laughs> it was important to me to have one for her. Mm-hmm. Um... That being said, I know you're a big advocate for gunners. Yep. Do you think they are worth the money to someone who does not have one, someone with a sporting dog? Tell me your opinion. So I will go ahead and weigh in on what you first said. I, as well, have never received any a single dime from them. Um, I am good friends with Luke Moore, one of, one of their main marketing individuals. Um, but other than that, and having some mutual friends for Addison and everybody that started the company, that's all my ties I have with them. And I, if my opinion is that if you can afford one, get it. Okay. I do not want individuals to put themselves or their families in a, in a spot where they're financially, you know, just can't realistically do it just because they heard me or you or whoever, sell, whoever else say they have to have one. Right. But what I encourage people to do is to get the safest kennel they can afford. Okay. Um, but the reason I specifically like these gunners is because you just, I'm not saying you, you can't mess them up because i've seen them get messed up um but you mean it you're not gonna that dog's gonna be so much safer and if we're the way i see it is if we're spending 500 dollars on a puppy and then just because today's economy if you are feeding pro plan you know 50 to 80 dollars depending on which bag of dog food you're getting a month on dog food and then it, just continue adding up all of these little um nickels and dime pieces of having a, a sporting dog the overall cost of some of these like these gunners really doesn't isn't much different than what we put in over time right um we're just paying for the price of it up front instead of multiple times in the long run correct and the reason i say it that way because i can't tell you how many of the cheap 50 to 100 dollar igloo or walt or pet safe plastic kennels i've gone through in my life that probably was two or three times more than what a gunner kennel was right just because it was dog wasn't in it and blew out the bed of the truck or something slid in the bed of the truck and cracked it or just a really 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 hyper strong dog broke the kennel right um when i was in the army our military working dogs with those pet safe kennels i would they would get saved and want to go work so bad they would bust the, the plastic sides out of them oh my gosh yep and actually i'm the, and the reason i say they can be broken with it when it comes to gunner I've I, never seen one broken. I'm curious to hear the story. It's a huge Belgian Malinois. Um, I ended up he ended up selling a um, like one of the nice um, like diamond plate insulated kennels that people can put the back of the truck to the guy. He's coming to buy it from him because he had a huge like 95 pound, not fat, solid muscle Belgian Malinois. Those are cool dogs. They, I do not like, getting in the bite suits with them. I'd much rather really get hit by a German Shepherd than Belgian Malinois. Those really? Malinois are absolutely insane um but this dog what he would do is if he knew that other dogs were working he would ball he, and the guy got videos of it and he showed me or i wouldn't have believed him he would ball up in, the, in like this really tight spring kind of um just body contorting weird thing i can't even describe what this dog was doing in the back of this gunner and then lunge himself like a cannonball in a, in a, or a linebacker and hit the, the doors of the gunner with his shoulder and Tasmanian he just, devil. Yes, and he would eventually he would he would break the latches from doing it so often. I think Gunner had sent him like four or five different doors, and they were replacing it when that dog, as that dog was breaking them. That is unreal. Mm-hmm. So I met a Malibu for the first time at Kari's New Year's party. <laughs> yeah, and um, it belongs to Joe Cook, who mm-hmm. works at Sissy's Log Cabin. Yeah, I know Joe. So I met Joe, met his dog, 
and his dog was the coolest thing I've ever been around. It was like mm-hmm. a four four month old puppy, I think. He wasn't very old. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a minute, I was convinced, like I have to have one of these because mm-hmm. you're saying you had no, <laughs> no. Well, the thing is, I had a stalker, uh-huh. and it really changed the way I live. And I was like, wow, it'd be uh-huh. awesome to have one of these dogs. That way, I wouldn't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Because Kate, I need a guard dog for Kate <laughs> at this point. She's not a guard dog. <laughs> When you're shaking your head, no. <laughs> Tell me why. They're just... You've, people... Of course, when the movie Max came out, everybody wanted a Malinois. Never seen it. I would recommend not watching it because you will go buy that Malinois. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, and they're really cool dogs, but I honestly think that to have a really well-mannered and acting Malinois, not only to have to have proper training... But you have to have you have to commit four to five times more to them than you do a working dog like we deal with. Really? Just because they take so much time to get their energy out and make them feel like they have a job that they're doing and doing and c- completing that job. Um, but it just they they can just get out of hand if you don't. Really? Okay, mm-hmm. that's good to know because I was like, well. Kate gets exercise every day. Kate is a priority. I spend a lot of time with Kate. Kate gets, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of training at least every day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I can handle that. Well, it's good to know that it's four to five times more. I have time. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> That's wild. Yep. But transitioning from dogs to hunting, since mm-hmm. we've been hunting public land, I've been dying to hit these subjects with somebody, and I've really not had a guess that I thought would be the right fit. So mm-hmm. let's talk public land hunting etiquette let's do it so where do you want to start at let me, let me figure out how to word this when you know better do better but you can't help what you don't know um there's more to it than just going to where somebody shot a gun at the next day a lot right um there's you know there's a really big scouting aspect to it and well we had it we actually had it happen yesterday also um it was a really weird wind situation. We'd found a significant number of birds sitting on a different part of the WMA. Um, two days before this incident, we went there and we come around the corner. We were, we were going to drop somebody off there because we could hunt that spot. Um, and we, we pulled up there just because there were some kids there. Um, and we kind of asked them how many they got, da da da, and we weren't going to stay there because they'd beat us there. We were going to move on. We we're just kind of figuring out where we were going to move over to. Right. But their reasoning for being there was, oh, we watched people shoot birds here yesterday, right. so we wanted to stand here. So you shot chase essentially. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I'm not telling people they can't hunt it, but just to go hunt a spot because somebody shot birds there can I'm going to say I'm going to say burn some bridges. Yeah, burn um, some bridges for sure. And especially if it's done on the same day, because yes. what, what's rude about shot chasing is, and because that's how, I'm not saying because I don't want I want people to be able to experience the woods like I have. We've all we've all gone in and hunted holes that were shot the day before the next day. But well, they're they're WMAs. Someone's hunted these holes every mm-hmm. day of season. Yep. And so. But what I would like, I'm going to say what I'd like the newer generation of hunters to realize is if somebody's having a good hunt and you're not, that, you know, take note of it. Say like, okay, the river level was at this. This is the wind direction. This is what was going on. And this is where these birds are wanting to fly. Right. And then know that for the next time that set of circumstances comes around. Right. Um, but just because you want to shoot a bird that bad that you're willing to ruin somebody else's hunt that morning by moving 50 or 75 yards on the edge of their hole when you were half a mile down the river or half a mile off the WMA. To me, that's where the etiquette comes in at. Because one reason that, because I could get into a, a, a private lease or a club somewhere, but one reason I like public land hunting is there's a lot of days where we do really bad. There's also a lot of days where we do really good and you know that you put more work in. Yeah. And from a competitive aspect, which I'm really, really, really competitive, you know that you won the game that day, not only against the birds, but, the but against the people. Right. Um, and I just think a lot of individuals nowadays don't, I'm going I'm to say they don't take losing really well. No. And that's why the, on the same day, they try to move around and shot chase and get in really close to you. 
And so. well, I've seen this year more than anything. I've never seen it in my life this bad. Is trying to strong arm other people. Well, we're just going to wait them out. We're going to wait them out. We're not going to lose. Well, the guys that did it right <laughs> don't want to leave because they did it right. Yeah. The guys that are taking sh- cheap shots to, you know, be successful in the woods and by undercutting someone else that did things the right way, you know, mm-hmm. they're trying to strong arm them. Like, well, we're just we're, we're just here, and. Yep. It, no one wins. It, it's it's not productive. Um, but <laughs> uh oh, uh, who's walking in back here? Game board. Nobody touch your guns. Bobby Joe Willie, you're interrupting a <laughs> podcast. Hey, Mr. Bobby Joe. What you got? Bobby Joe's got my mail. You know Bobby Joe. <laughs> The rule is, if you walk in on a podcast, you got to join one. Yeah, well, I, I write my own group. <laughs> Bob Joe, I'm, I'm Matt Ryan. How you doing? Good. I think we got some mutual friends with Alex Johns over there. Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Bobby Joe? All right, I guess. Y'all kill them? No. Not today. This time. They're just now shooting up in the fields. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to get into a field tomorrow. Hopefully. The ducks are starving. It's been bad. I, I feel bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't go this morning. You didn't go this morning? I, my mom called wanted me to do something, so I went in and did that. We killed 187 one day. 187 in the field? Yep. Wow. Didn't have a limit. Have you seen the video? I have not. I don't know if it's, if it's Instagram or what, but it's... <laughs> well, you, you seen them right over here at... That cornfield getting in there this afternoon? Well, they're hunting this one here now. Yeah. Shocked me it took this long for them to start dry feeding. Mm-hmm. Right. We saw them dry feeding all week. It was they crazy. To. They had to. Mm-hmm. It got so bad. You know, I started, I've been checking them ducks. and Yesterday, they're a little, you know, they've been staying in there all night. Mm-hmm. They've been getting in there when we get done staying in there all night. And, uh. They seem to have a little more on them. It's getting, I touched the mallard breast and it felt pointed on the end. I told him, I said, I'm, I'm fixing to quit if it don't. Mm-hmm. And this rain here is going to come in. There'll be a feeding frenzy as soon as it gets thawed out. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll be bad news. Mm-hmm. It will be bad news. He's already starting to move back in a little bit. I saw five or six bunch of them this morning. Really? <laughs> we need this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, we need it. We need the rain real bad to between. We're not gonna get it when we need. Well, I think if we can get one inch just to rise and kind of break some of this ice in the river loose, the packs. We're supposed to get two to four here. Little Rock South is four to ten. Wow, that ought to be getting good down there right now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the hole we hunted, we tried. I tried to slip off in there out of my boat, thinking that we could hunt it, and I was up to my chest, and we it was literally. I mean, mid thigh today, but mm-hmm. that was it was two days ago that I tried to get in it and couldn't get in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, them woods. They're throwing a fit for me to go. But you need to go. Yeah. Day before yesterday, that wind was blowing, and them panel blinds and it was blowing the length of it, and I was on the end where the wind was coming in. It got pretty cold. Not a, yeah. I walked down. They'd already got there. I pulled up, walked down, walked down the levee. I seen Till start to fly, so I, put, I had my gun out of the case. I left it in there. I put three shells in the gun, and I walked down to the other end, and they shot, and when they shot them, Till come up. They just come up right over me, and I went, bat, bat, bat. <laughs> I killed three, and somebody said, what was that? TJ said, that's the old man. He just showed up. <laughs> I had five in two minutes and they called time out to pick them up or I could have killed I could have killed my six ducks in five minutes I'm and not, I got in the blind mm-hmm. I believe it and oh I got me some new shells good for you What'd I you got get? me some new shells I just wanted to try them I bought them it was $138 for a $338 case of shells what'd you get heavy hammer dove and teal mm-hmm. number seven shot Wow, they number said, oh, seven. Three thirty-eight, and I got them for one thirty-eight, and I thought yeah. that'll be good to shoot them specs with on the ground and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cripples, 
but I shot him. I shot him day four yesterday. Day four that I shot a twenty-eight gauge. I shot a twenty-eight um, gauge for the first time this year at Crane Farm, mm-hmm. and I love it. I want one. I've about gotten to where I. I'd... If they make a three-inch shell in that twenty-eight gauge, and they're supposed to. You switching? I don't know. We had a good season. That's We're funny. right at 3,000 birds right now. Good yeah. for you, Bobby That's Joe. That's counting the grease and everything. Mainly, yeah. in, the, mainly in the fields or a oh, lot yeah, of timber? DJ won't go to the woods either. So. I don't know. <laughs> going to be Friday. What's Friday? Friday going to be. Going to be right? Come, come hunt with us in the woods, please, yeah. Bobby Joe. Come yeah. on. No. Nah. But we did shoot mm. mallards yesterday and gadwalls. Yeah. We killed a bunch of gadwalls too. I, I hate them, so I was glad to shoot them. Mm-hmm. Pint- pintails, gadwalls, <laughs> everything was lighting that hole yesterday. You going to talk uh, at Pocahontas? I talk? I don't know. I'm going to go listen for sure. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. going to go because Joe Pratt said he's going to talk. They called me and wanted me to talk. Channel 8 called and wanted me to do a deal, and I told them I'd do a deal if they'd give me an hour. What is it? Mallard him. Oh. Right in front of camp. I see her. Looks awful dark to me. Now it's brown now. Yeah. I She's just hanging out. For a minute. I thought dark. it was a black duck too. That was looking dark. <laughs> She's swimming up right here to us. <laughs> Everybody says they know you. Well, I've, yeah, I've had I hunted with you, nothing now you. Yeah. He's now my. That's what I tell him. He's my neighbor, and he still won't hunt with me. <laughs> They just hunted your hole is all it is. Yeah, that's, there was eight guys over two at 166 the other day, and we were sitting there, and I said, y'all kill them? They said, nah, nah, we didn't do any good. And I said, huh? Nah, we didn't do any good, so we couldn't get the hole we was going to. And I said, where's y'all going? And they said, we're trying to get to Bobby Joe's hole. And I said, my old hole and eight jaws go. Yeah, I'm Bobby Joe. So there's really a Bobby Joe, and I said, "Well, are you gonna see my driver's license?" <laughs> they said, "No, no, no. We believe you." And if we sat there and went outside and talked oh, for a long man. time, and they were pretty good. They were pretty good guys. I pulled mm-hmm. up over, and there's around there was 37 boats in the parking lot. Wow. There's about a hundred people from high school to probably sophomore or junior in college. Mm-hmm. And they was all. From, 37 boats had already pulled out, but they're still in that parking lot. There's five in line. Miss uh, Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, Alabama. Wow. Already in line for the next day. Mm-hmm. And I pulled up there and I said, you boys doing any good? They said, no, nope, no, nope, these ducks are stale. And I said, boys, these ducks have been stale before y'all were born. Mm-hmm. Right. I said, we've pushed this into them and everything. And they said, you hunt around here? And I said, nah, not very much. I have, but not very much. <laughs> oh, my word. going on. And when I started to pull off, one of them guys said, do you not know who that was? And he said, no. And he said, that's Bobby Joe. And that guy's going, hey, hey. I stopped and he said, tell us some stories. And I said, nah, they ain't stories, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. That's hilarious. Uh, that's funny. See, that's who I call anytime I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It ain't no fun no more. This up here ain't no fun no more. I, I'm used to I'm used to leaving the cabin. Mm-hmm. I'd leave the cabin, run down, jump through the ditch, run down there. Twenty minutes from the time I left of the cabin, I had my hunter set out, boat head. Mm-hmm. It's five minutes before shooting time. Yeah. I'm not getting up at four o'clock. If I get up four o'clock, I'm gonna be hunting at real foot or Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, I ain't. Yeah. We're tired. I got tired in that goose hunt. I got, I got pretty tired there for a while because I was having to get up. And finally, I told him, I said, "Man, you don't want these pay hunters out here in the way." I said, "Instead of me picking them up at three thirty or four Let's start picking them up at 5.30 or 6 and get them there, get them in the deal. You give the speech and let's go to hunting. And they're not in your way that long and they don't complain about being cold and all that. So we started doing that. That extra little bit of sleep helped a bunch. I bet. I bet. So, but them boys, mm-hmm. before we ever turned the well on for the polypipe, they chased it across the field four times before there's ever a bit of water running through it. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I'll get out of here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to get over and tarp my bee here. 
<laughs> well, I'll see you later, Bobby Joe. I'll see you. Holler if you need we'll anything. That was your first time meeting Bobby Joe? That was the first time. Oh, my He word. doesn't realize he's the one. I'm the one who was complaining about being from Michigan yesterday. Really? <laughs> he, Me and Blake are putting the boat on the trailer. He can't, whoever he's riding around with, they pull it and they're like, you can hear, you can see their mouth. You see that sticker down there? They're pointing at us. And it was you with, with the Arkansas hunting license. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. Oh, you're welcome. Well, we are out. I appreciate y'all. See y'all here same time next week. All glory to the good Lord. You've been listening to the Maggie Williams podcast. Join us each and every time right here where you catch your favorite podcast. And if you've missed an episode, well, it's a podcast. You can go back and catch up. We'll catch you next time right here.